Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Hey, welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am the owner of the Seckler Law Firm, and uh, I thank you for joining me for this week's episode. What we're going to be talking about is probably like the biggest issue that families call us and ask us about, and it's and it's an opportunity where, uh, when it comes to estate planning, you can get a real win without a lot of uh, a lot of headache for yourself. Um, and um, something I feel very, very strongly about, and that is that, in my opinion, for a lot of families, your house should be owned by a trust, all right, especially for my retirees, soon-to-be retiree clients. I want to see the house in a trust. Um, there's debate on this. You, you ask 15 different lawyers, you might get 15 different responses, but here's mine. After 12 years of doing elder law and estate planning and helping people uh, plan successfully to protect assets, I think your house needs to be in a trust. And, and today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this episode, I'm going to lay out the reasons why, um, and hopefully uh, you find this super helpful uh, because it, it is a thing that I feel very strongly it's an easy estate planning move that can protect serious money for you, your family, uh, from things like the nursing home probate expenses and and just keeping the family peace when you pass away. And so that's what we're going to chat about today. Now, if you're new to our law firm, if you're new to this radio show, again, my name is Tim Seckler. I own a thing called the Seckler Law Firm in Cranberry Township, but we're doing work all around Western Pennsylvania at this point. Uh, It's an 18-person shop. We've got four lawyers, and all we do all day long is help people protect assets, plan well for their family. And the reason that I got into this is because I had a family situation myself where there were some serious estate planning mistakes made uh, by my by my family, by attorneys that were advising my family and, and just missed opportunities. And what happened is I had a family member get really, really sick, end up in a long-term care facility, and the family lost a bunch of money that could have otherwise been protected had we just done some proper legal work. And so for the past 12 years, I've been advising people, hey, look, there's some opportunities out there. And yes, middle-class families should consider doing additional estate planning. It's not just the simple will. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves is these attorneys and these advisors out there and this kind of idea that if you're not rich, all you need is a will. And, and I'm telling you, I disagree. Um, I disagree based on my experiences. I disagree based on my clients' experiences because what I'm seeing people running um, their primary estate planning document as a will is the will, the primary purpose of a will, if you think about it, is to split up the stuff after you pass away, which makes a pretty big assumption. And that assumption is that there's still some stuff left when you pass away, right? Um, But it doesn't deal with reality. That assumption is often wrong for people because the reality is I'm watching people die broke. And the reason that people are dying broke is because our government system in this country is broken when it comes to how we're delivering care and services to our seniors. If you end up needing a nursing home in Pennsylvania, nursing homes are $160,000 a year on average, and Medicare doesn't pay for it. You're on your own. And so our financial system is picking winners and losers based on the health care event you will ultimately have, which is outside of your control, right? Um, Whether my wife fares well in our retirement years is almost entirely dependent on 
my health care issue I will ultimately have. And, and that's not acceptable to me. I'm, you know, I didn't, I'm, I'm not in the process of working my tail off, building a business, trying to save a nest egg just to lose the whole thing when I have dementia later. It's not going to happen in my family. In my family, we're going to take some action. We're going to protect ourselves. And, 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 you know, and if that's the strategy for my family, I suggest it may be a strategy for your family, too. And so let's talk about this for a bit. And this, this is the kind of thing that we talk about in our, in our seminars that we do all the time. We have these Three Secrets to Protect Your Legacy seminars. And the whole concept is you've worked hard for some stuff. You have some stuff, money, house, retirement, whatever it is. You've got some stuff. It's yours. I believe you should keep it. I don't believe you should lose it because you end up getting dementia or having a stroke or needing somebody to help take care of you later. That doesn't make any sense. We don't work 65 years for that to be the result. Okay, so how do you protect this stuff? Well, it takes an understanding of how this whole system works, right? Um, If somebody goes to a nursing home later in life, The only payment source for most folks, if you don't want to pay privately until you go broke, the only payment source for most folks is to apply for Medicaid benefits. But Medicaid takes a look at your resources. They take a look at your money. They count your, your, your money before they determine if you're eligible. And, and to keep a long story short, you pretty much got to be broke, right? Okay. Well, I don't want to go broke. And so how can I get the care I need without going broke? How can I make sure that my wife has a house to live in? Well... You can't own the thing in your own name because if you own the thing in your own name, then you end up losing the house. You end up losing your money to these long-term care costs. And no, here's the truth about how they treat the house, okay? If you go to the Medicaid office, they're going to tell you, we don't count the house. You can become eligible for Medicaid and still own a house. And then they hand you a brochure, and it's kind of like a glancing thing, and you don't really understand it. But here's what the brochure says. The brochure says, if you have been a Medicaid recipient for long-term care benefits, when you pass away, the state takes your home from your estate. So if your house goes through your will, if you've been in a nursing home, the state of Pennsylvania has a claim against your estate, and they can take your house from your kids. So if you go to the Medicaid office and they tell you that we don't count the house, you can become eligible for Medicaid, your next word should be, yeah, but don't you take it through the estate recovery program when I pass away? And their answer is going to be, well, yeah, 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 we, we kind of do that. Uh, we don't like to talk about that, but that's, yeah, we do that. So, all right, so the house isn't safe then, right? I mean, the, if they're going to take it when I pass away, then, then how are we calling my house safe? Um, now, here's an interesting thing to know about the estate recovery program. All right, so I've already gone broke. Now I'm on Medicaid. I'm in a nursing home, but Medicaid's paying the nursing home. I still own a house. Here's the thing to know. When I pass away, they can come after my house. But the interesting thing is that the estate recovery claim in Pennsylvania is limited to someone's probate estate, the assets that go through your will, which is a wonderful reason to tell the attorney who told you all you need is a simple will to say, well, isn't the state going to take it from me if I need the nursing home later? And watch the confused look on their face because most attorneys don't understand this stuff, right? There, there's attorneys out there who are very good family law attorneys. They're, they're, they're very good uh, personal injury attorneys, and they dabble with wills, right? You don't want a dabbler in this space. You want to do this work with somebody who understands how the game is played. And I'm going to tell you the way the game is played is the state wants your stuff, 
The state wants your stuff through taxation. The state wants your stuff through the estate recovery program. If you end up in a nursing home, there is no government program that is going to help you until you lose all your stuff. And you should not find that to be a thing that you want. Okay, You didn't work all this time for that to be the result. And this is why I use trusts for my clients. Because once you understand that that's how this game is really played in my retirement years is that if I get dementia, which, by the way, three of my four grandparents had dementia, and the other one died in his 50s, so I I, I don't really like my odds. When I have dementia and I need care, they're going to make me go broke? Well, that, that doesn't seem right, right? Because if I had cancer, well, this overgeneralization, but cancer tends to be treated with things like surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, medication, hospitalization. Well, those things are considered acute care, right? Now, cancer is terrible. But if I'm over 65, Medicare pays for acute care. So the treatment related to my cancer would be treated by Medicare. But if instead, if instead the healthcare event that, that impacts me is Alzheimer's disease, well, Alzheimer's disease, the treatment, again, overgeneralization, is generally treated with custodial care, somebody helping me out. Okay, Medicare doesn't pay for that. So whether my spouse is okay in my retirement years is, is dependent on whether I have cancer or Alzheimer's disease. At what point in time did our leadership decide that that, that, that makes sense? Like, how does this shake out? Um, and, and, you know, so, no, not for me. So, you know what? My stuff's going to be in a trust. Um, there's a certain type of trust that I like to, to, uh, to recommend, which is a thing called an asset protection trust. Now, here's, here's the general framework. The idea is I could put my house, and I could put some money, but let's just focus on the house today. I put my house in a trust. After five years, Medicaid can't look at it. So, after five years, the house is protected. All right. So let's say that somebody's listening to this episode has a $300,000 home, and let's say that they've got four hundred grand in the bank, a retirement account, some savings, right? This is a, this is a, uh, a retired middle-class family. Okay. Well, here's a few things that I know about this family. What I know about this family is if you own a home and you have four hundred grand in the bank, after 12 years of experience, what I can tell you is that this family is highly – highly unlikely to need to access their home equity in a big way, right? If you have a house and you've got 400 grand in the bank or something similar or more or a little bit less or whatever, you're not going to do a reverse mortgage most of the time. Now, I'm not advising you not to do a reverse mortgage, but my experience has been that most people don't do a reverse mortgage if you have some other money. And so we're not going to access our home equity, right? We're going to own this house, we're going to own this house or another house. But when we pass away, our plan is we're still going to own the house. Okay, so if we're not going to access the home equity, then why don't we put it into a trust that says you cannot access your home equity? Because the fact is you weren't going to anyway. Right? So now the house is in a trust. Five years later, it's protected from the nursing home. Right? Um, and you can be in control of this trust. If the house ever sells, the money belongs to a trust and is also not available for long-term care expenses. Because, see, one of the things that happens to people is they, they, they go through their retirement years thinking, well, Medicaid doesn't count my house. I can go on benefits. And then 
but somebody then um, ends up going to like a personal care home. On a personal care home, you know, it's five, six, seven thousand dollars a month. We're paying from it from our savings, our income. Uh, we sell the house. Now we got some money. Um, so when people go into lower tiers of care, they sell their house. And now, though, when they transition later to a skilled nursing facility, now that bill jumps up to thirteen grand a month. Now we don't have a protected house. Now we've got cash because we sold the house. So if instead we had put that house in a trust and then the house sells, now the money's in a trust and Medicaid can't have it, right? So by having the house in a trust, my experience has been most people give up very, very little. You're still sleeping in the house every night. You're still mowing the grass. The the kitchen smells the same. It still needs new carpeting. It's the same house. But now, if you get sick, the state can't have it. It's protected for your family. And, you know, I, I, we, we, we talk a lot about some complicated things on this show. Uh, and, I, and I suppose this is complicated. But at its core, you know, not really. Um, okay, so there's this thing called a trust. Got it. Uh, I can create one. Okay. I can retitle my house in the name of the trust. Okay, so now the trust owns my house. And as a result of that, I'm still sleeping in the house every night? Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's still me who decides if the house ever sells? Yep. Um, I can still sleep there every day? Oh, yeah. I can still remodel it? Sure. Um, so I, I pretty much get to use the house the same way I'm using it today. Exactly. But if I get sick, which I've got a one in three chance of having dementia, if I get sick, then the state can't have the house? Precisely. Well, why isn't everybody doing this? This makes perfect sense. Um, and it does make perfect sense. It, it makes a ton of sense. And the reason that everybody isn't doing it is because not everybody's listening to this radio show. And, you know, not everybody's taking the time to become educated on these issues. And a lot of people end up uh, reading online or, or, or going to some attorney that doesn't really understand this fully. And they look at it and they say, well, you're not rich. Most of your money is going through beneficiary designation. So there's not a lot of financial resources to put into a trust. Um, a lot of your money's IRAs, and we can't put IRAs into a trust. Uh, and so, you know what? You know, it seems like just a simple will. But, 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 what happens if I get sick? Oh, well, you're going to lose your house. Well, I don't, I don't want to do that. Oh, well, then maybe you should go talk to an elder law attorney. And then the people come to our office, and we say, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Your house should be in a trust. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the thing that we like to teach people. So, so how do you learn more about this? And then after, after this little, like, 30-second advertisement, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer some frequently asked questions about putting the house into the trust. Okay. Um, so here, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I, I would really like, if you're interested in this concept, you're like, man, this, this does kind of make some sense. Um, you should attend one of our upcoming Three Secrets to Protect Your Legacy workshops. We have them uh, pretty frequently around town. You can find them all on my website. Now, my web, my law firm is called the Secular Law Firm. That's hard to spell. Uh, my first name, Tim, is not. So go to estateplantim.com. Uh, it'll get you to our website. And then you'll find the workshops tab. And you can register for any of our upcoming workshops. They're free. Bring a friend. Bring your spouse. Come check out what we got to say because what I'm what I'm teaching you is, um, you know, my my core belief system works a little bit like this. You know, I, I shared with you at the top of this episode that I had a family member essentially go broke to this stuff. 
Um, and I don't think that that should happen. You know, we, we, we all live these lives. We're working, we're working 40, 50 hours a week. We're trying to save a nest egg. Some of us raise kids. Some of us have nonprofit issues, but we're all, we're all living our version of our own American dream of our own sort of life story. And the way that I see estate planning fit in is I think that at our core, what we do is we help you tell that story, right? We, we're, we're sort of like the guardians of the last chapter. And when people get sick, when people pass away, what I want to have said is that, boy, at least we had a good plan. The kids all got along. We didn't lose the money to the probate system. We didn't lose the money to the nursing home. We didn't lose the money to Pennsylvania's estate recovery program. We didn't get ripped off with legal fees. Um, and everything went, you know, went, went pretty smoothly. And if, if my law firm can accomplish that for your family, then I think we've done our job. But I can tell you, you can't accomplish those objectives if your document is a will. It just doesn't do those things. It, it would be like trying to use a, a, a screwdriver to hammer in a nail. Like, it, it just doesn't do that very well. Um, and so if you're, if you're concerned about answering the question answer more questions than just who gets my stuff if you're if you're interested in answering the question um how do i make sure there still is some stuff how do i plan for underage people how do i plan for disabled people how do i plan to make sure that if i get sick my wife has a house to live in and some money in the bank well i can tell you my law firm is built to help you answer those questions uh the first step is coming to one of our three secrets workshops uh it's good information i promise you it's good information you should check it out you can find them anytime you want uh, by going to estateplantim.com uh, and we'll check you out. All right, so some frequently asked questions about putting the house in a trust. One, does it cause me tax problems? And the answer is nope. Um, so within the the broader classification of trusts, there's two types. There's a revocable trust and there are irrevocable trusts. And then within the, the, the category of irrevocable trust, there's a lot of different types of irrevocable trusts used for different purposes. Uh, some of them are used for tax planning. Some of them are used for charitable, charitable purposes. Some of them are used for uh, disab disabled people. Uh, and, and one particular type called an asset protection trust is a trust that we can use to protect assets from long-term care expenses. Um, and the IRS, when it comes to trust, has these rules. They're called the grantor trust rules because what the IRS assumes is that if you do a trust, what you're really trying to do, you must only be able to – the only reason anybody – in the eyes of the IRS, the only reason anyone would ever do a trust is to avoid taxes, right? And so the IRS has these rules that come out and say that if you create a trust and you maintain certain control over the trust, which, of course, you want to maintain control, then the IRS says, we're going to leave the money in your Social Security number anyway. You're not going to be able to avoid taxes by putting it into this type of a trust, which is – bad if we had $25 million and we were trying to avoid death taxes. But unless you have super high net worth, federal death taxes aren't your really big concern. Your big concern, rather, if you're a middle-class family like I've been describing in this show, is long-term care because we don't have federal state tax at our asset level. Um, and so if my biggest threat is long-term care, then I don't really have tax problems. So it's perfectly fine for me to leave my assets in my trust. And so the, the trust that I've been describing in today's show has your Social Security number. It's, it's what the IRS calls a grantor trust. It's still taxed to the creator of the trust. So when we put the house in, nothing really changes from an income tax standpoint. It's still your house. If you ever sell your house... It's still uh, exempt from capital gains tax. You know how you can sell your house and, and take a gain and not have to pay tax because the IRS exempts the sale of the primary residence? Well, that is still true 
in the type of trust I've been describing. It's still your primary residence in the eyes of the IRS. Okay? And the other thing to understand about it and why it doesn't cause you any tax problems is is there's um, there's this concept called stepped-up tax basis. Okay? So let's briefly talk about capital gains tax. I buy an asset low. I sell it high. The difference is the gain. All right? So if I buy a house for 100 that's my basis. If I sell it for 300 I have a $200,000 gain. Combined federal and state capital gains tax could be like 18 points, so $36,000 taxes, right? Um, if you still own your house when you pass away, which is most people's plan, you're either going to own this house or some other house, when you pass away and your kids inherit the house, then they don't in- inherit it for the $100,000 you own it for. They get a thing called stepped-up tax basis, which means they own it for date of death value. So you own the house for – the kids then own the house for 300000 they can sell it for 300000 and they don't have to recognize a gain, right? Uh, and so we can avoid the capital gains tax, which is the biggest tax that can hit most primary residents, by allowing our kids to inherit the property, okay? Now, this is why we don't tell you to put the house in the kids' names, because you put the house in the kids' names, you don't get the stepped-up tax basis. Um, and, you know, this is all very complicated, but, I, you know, after – after having done this stuff uh, for a whole lot of families, you know, thousands of families at this point, what I can tell you is for most middle-class families, once you take the time to understand this stuff and you understand that your risks are what if you get sick, um, it becomes kind of a no-brainer to put your house in a trust for a lot of families. I mean, those are the clients – those are the words that my clients use is this kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I agree. That's why we're telling you to do it. Um, and so, you know, if you're listening to the show, I don't, I can't say it's appropriate for you or not. This is not legal advice. This is education. But I can tell you this. I really think you ought to take a look at having your house owned in a trust. If you're retired or if you're thinking about retiring, I wouldn't listen to the nonsense that says if you're not rich, all you need is a will. That's a lie. That's not true. It's laziness or it's lack of understanding. Because if you talk to somebody that does what I do, in my little law firm, we help a half a dozen families a month going broke in nursing homes. If you talk to my clients that are going through that issue, you would absolutely have your house in a trust. Um, and there's no question. Oh, I could have gone back in time five years and protected my money from this issue? Yeah, I would absolutely do that. Uh, and so I would encourage you to check this out. All right, I think this is the way to do it. I think home ownership should be done in an asset protection trust for retirees. It's just what I believe, and I believe you should check it out. Um, and you're going to learn an awful lot about that when you keep your promise and you come to our Three Secrets to Protect Your Legacy workshop, which we have all the time, You know, a couple times a month. We have a Three Secrets to Protect Your Legacy workshop. You can find out about it at estateplantim.com. You go to the website, look at all the content. This is now like I've done something like 130 episodes of this of this uh, radio show. Uh, most of them are available on YouTube as video as well. I'm, I'm staring at a camera right now as I'm recording the radio show. And look at the content. Do some homework for yourself. We put out a ton of content, um, and, uh, and you can come and, and check it out. Now, um, sometimes people ask me with this house and the trust thing, okay, a couple common questions. Can I still sell the house? Yes, you sell the house. But the house, the the proceeds belong to the trust, and then the trust can pay for your next house. Um, Could I move out of state? Yes, you can move out of state. We'll just tell you to check in with a local attorney when you get there. Maybe the trust needs a little bit of a modification. Um, 
can I can I still do home repairs? Yes, you can still do home repairs. You're in charge of the trust. You can do whatever the heck you want. Um, and, and like it, you're not giving up much because most families, like I've described, most families aren't going to do a reverse mortgage. You're not going to pull equity out of your house to buy groceries. You've got other money for groceries. And so if you're not going to pull out the home equity to buy groceries, then what's the harm of putting your house in a trust that says you're not going to pull out the home equity? You, you weren't going to anyway. And here's another thing to understand. What if, um, what if aliens invade? And why, uh, what? No, here, here's better. Like just some off-the-wall thing, and I just don't want my house in this trust anymore. I hit Powerball. Tim, I hit Powerball. I won $200 million. I'm not worried about the nursing home anymore. In fact, I just bought six of them this week. Um, and so I would just like to get the house out of the trust. Can I get the house out of the trust? Yes, you can get the house out of the trust. Now, you need beneficiary consent, which means if you have kids, we need your kids' signatures. But you can get the house out of the trust. Um, and, and so, you know, nothing – like the word irrevocable terrifies people. But all it really means is you can't revoke it. There, there's still provisions on how the family can access resources. There's still, there's still provisions. I mean, we're not going to leave you up the creek. The, the idea, though, is once you understand how these tools are used, these tools can make a lot of sense. Uh, and so I hope that in listening to this episode you learned a few things. I hope that I've encouraged you to, to learn some more things. Um, because I don't want your family being one of the families coming into my office going broke in a nursing home. I just, I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of lazy lawyers. I'm tired of people that don't um, properly educate their clients. And, and, and so we're going to work real hard to get you educated. Check us out at one of our upcoming estate planning and elder law workshops. Remember, folks, that this show is for your education, your information. This is not legal advice. I'm not telling you specifically what to do. I'm just telling you you need to get educated. We're here anytime you need us. Go to estateplantim.com or give us a, uh, a phone call at 724-546-4227. I hope you found this show interesting. Look forward to meeting you at one of our workshops. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.